We thank you for your infallible, indisputable, unadulterated word. We know that the enemy is busy and no matter how busy he is, he cannot refute what you've already spoken. So as we speak your word tonight, we know that we're gonna be fortified with your truth, with the reality that there is nothing more powerful than the word that you've given us. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for unity. We thank you for fellowship among the body of believers. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So tonight I want to talk about a topic that is most important for the faith of a believer. And really the question is, how do we know we're called? How do we know that God has called us into this faith, into this ministry, into this uh, lifestyle that reflects what we call Christians, what reflects what is supposed to be called discipleship? Because, you know, a lot of us have these interactions and we've been a part of ministries and we've seen other uh, people who say they believe and they seem to have such a phenomenal life or they are, you know, they're blessed with so many different things or sometimes even abilities. And we look at these type of situations and sometimes we misunderstand because it's misrepresented of what it really looks like to know we are in the faith. We are called by God because, you know, the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. And this is a, a very important understanding that we have to grab hold of because everybody who gets called into this faith isn't chosen. They're not picked. But how do we know that we not only have been called by God, but we are the ones who are chosen. Are we going to look at a situation that Jesus Christ was in uh, that really shows us exactly what it looks like, what defines, what sets the tone, the atmosphere, the the understanding of being called, the, the ecclesia, that is, is written, which is the church, those who are called out of the world. And we're going to start reading from Matthew uh, chapter 8, and it's going to be verse 18. But right before we get to verse 18, uh, Jesus had just got through healing many people who were demon-possessed. They were sick, you know, and it was something that had to be done. It had to happen. It had to take place because it was a prophecy that was done, that was spoken by uh, the prophet Isaiah. It said that the scripture right before that in verse 17, he says, it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So Jesus just got through in his time, his work and what he was called to do. He just got through living out his purpose in this certain situation, fulfilling the prophecy that was spoken of regarding him and what he would do when he came to earth. And shortly after that, in verse 18, the scripture reads, And when Jesus saw a great multitude about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. 
Then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, that's one of the most powerful statements Jesus has ever said to anybody, especially those who follow him. He said, don't worry about your dad. Don't worry about your father. He said, let the dead, those who are walking dead, those who are not following him, he said, let them take care of that. You come follow me. But you know what I like was when Jesus always, he always throws a bait out there to see who can catch it, who really wants it. And he throws a bait to the scribe and he says, you know, after he told him, he said, I'll follow you wherever you go. He said, well, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was telling this scribe who said he was down for the cause and he was ready to go all the way through. He said, well, first and foremost, do you have somewhere for me to rest? And, and obviously the, the scribe didn't even catch it. And neither did the disciples that was with them because, you know, one of them said he had to go bury his father. And Jesus kept going as he normally do. He doesn't stop and try to really explain or or try to make sure you catch it. He went on to say, you know what, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. And this is how you know you are called by God. This is how you know he's chosen you out of the many who say they walk this faith. In verse 23, he says, now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and awoke him and saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You know, Jesus, before this big, awesome, wonderful analogy of faith and following Jesus, he, he called the disciples to follow him after he already saw a great multitude about him in verse 18. He didn't say, let's hang out among the crowd. Let's stay among the people. Let's hang out with the folks. He said, let's let's go to the other side. Let's go and keep doing what we're called to do. He called his followers, his believers out of the crowd, out of the, the customs, the norms, the groups, and immediately when he calls them, they get in the boat and a storm happens. See, like I, I've talked before in the past, a lot of times we hear people say, you know what, you you got into this faith. Now you are a believer. Get into a Bible based church. But they didn't tell you the truth, the whole truth, that the moment you got into this faith, you stepped into a boat and on that boat. 
is a storm. See, Jesus calls us out of the world and into this faith. And the moment we get into this faith, we come into a storm. We come into problems. We come into hardships, difficulties, struggles, setbacks, all kind of adversity comes our way because we come into this faith. This is how we know we called. Many of us have probably heard people ask us, you know, why are you always going through something? Why are you always, you know, struggling? Why are you always in some kind of battle, some test? Say, because you call. This is the evidence. This is the proof. And the reason why is because we have to two things be reminded of who called us and who he is that called us. See, when he called us, he called us away from what looks familiar, what's uh, what we're used to, what's customary. And he who called us is faithful. He didn't tell his disciples to get into the boat. Let's go to the other side and we weren't going to make it. Even though we come into these storms, these storms in life and we deal with all these battles, his word is true. We come under attack, but nothing that comes against us shall succeed. Thing we have to understand is that God called us to go through the storm. He never called us to stay. And if we ever are walking this faith and somehow the storms just cease and they never rise up again, we never deal with any more battles or any issues, there's no more adversity, then there's a great possibility that, yeah, we, we were called and we were picked. But we decided not to continue to move forward. There should always be a struggle in this faith with the believer, because this is the world that belongs to the enemy. He is the prince of this world. So he's always trying to stir up some mess, some problems, some adversities in our life, creating these big theatrical experiences to get us to miss the very fact that Jesus said, we going to the other side. I gave you a command. I gave you an instruction. That's what it says in verse 18. He said he gave a command. He didn't ask. He didn't suggest. He said, listen, you going to follow me. Let's go to the other side. Let's depart. Let's get in the boat. So we got to expect this as a believer. This is the advertisement that we're called by God, that we're chosen. Because the enemy don't attack anybody that's on his team. Now, you're not going to see anybody on the same team battling each other. The objective is to be on one accord and working, you know, working through everything together. And like I said before, we get this big misunderstanding a lot of times because we look over and we see someone uh, who are who may be resemblance of the faith such as the scribe who said, I will follow you wherever you go, because a lot of us, we can talk a good game. I'm no, I'm sure we all know somebody. They can talk a mean game about how they love the Lord and how we, how God has done all these amazing things. And I'm down for him and I'll follow him wherever I go. But as soon as he throw out some, some bait to see if you really down or the storm show up, we get, we, we know people or maybe we've got like this where we say, wake up, Lord, before we perish, <laughs> save us before it all comes to an end. Completely forgetting the fact that God said his word cannot return in void. Whatever he has spoken, 
and shall fulfill exactly what he said. You know, I've been dealing my, with my, myself. I've been dealing with some struggles and issues with some of the new things that I've been involved in and just, you know, working with youth and storms come up. And I thought for a moment, wow, I really want to keep pushing forward and doing what God has called me to do because we get like that sometimes. We don't, sometimes we don't feel like we God's called. We don't feel like we're his chosen because the storm becomes so rough. It's so great that he is always there in his word to remind us that he's true and he's faithful and he cannot fail. He won't leave us, nor will he forsake us. You know, Jesus was asleep. And to them, it was almost as if he wasn't there because they weren't hearing him. He wasn't saying nothing or doing anything. He was getting some rest. And that's how it is sometimes. We going through stuff and all this chaos is going on. The the wind is 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 blowing back and forth. The sea is raging. And we feel like God is asleep. No such thing. He's wide awake. And just because he ain't talking to us every single step of the way doesn't mean his word is invalid. So we gotta expect a storm. And the reason why the disciples had a storm in that situation in this particular scenario, because they were going on to do something even greater. They were going on to achieve new heights, to be even a bigger light. Christ had more to do. He wasn't done. You know, one of the things I I, I was, you know, that came to me years ago when I was facing just so many different things was this statement that. Adversity is the announcement that advancement is up ahead. When we start encountering adverse situations, it's only really a commercial, an advertisement, a billboard telling us that we're getting closer to moving up. That's it. You look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, you look at his walk, his life. It just got tougher and tougher. The more they tried to test him, the more they tried to come against him, the more they tried to slick him. So much adversity as he got closer to the cross. Once he finally crossed over and got past the the great thing he came to do, which was die for the sins of all humanity, he got to a level that he wasn't before. You know, he came and said after he had rose, all power has been given to me. But God wants to take us to another level. And the enemy doesn't want us to believe that. He wants us to think that we're not God's children. We're not called because of the adversity, the things that we deal with. But no, that's the absolute opposite. The very fact that you're going through something is a sign that God had picked you out of the bunch. Out of everybody that raised their hands and said, Lord, I'll follow you. Lord, I, I'll go to you to the end. He picked you. He called you. So we got to hold on to this truth. I know it gets discouraging sometimes. I know you want to quit. When everybody's talking about you, when people have left you, when family turned their back on you, when you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill and all these different things that come against us, we have to remember We only experienced it because we didn't give in to the world or we were once of the world. As Paul talked about, we were of these lifestyles. but We came out of the world. 
And now we got a heart for God. And the things we used to do, we don't do no more. They don't trigger us like they used, like they used to. And one more thing I'm going to say as I wrap up, we have to stop trying to convince people of who we are. We need to stop trying to prove to people that we are God's children. That's not our job. We need to stop trying to have these uh, sales meetings with folks trying to persuade them to believe that we are his children, that we are called. If Jesus couldn't convince Judas that he was going to betray him, if he couldn't convince Peter that he was going to deny him, and if he couldn't convince the Pharisees and the Sadducees that he was the son of God, how are we going to convince people that we are his children through all these different statements and speeches? We got to walk this walk, believing in Jesus Christ and let everything else do what it do. More people ain't going to like you. They're not going to appreciate you. And they darn sure are not going to recognize you are a child of God than those who will. There were only a handful of disciples who recognized that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. In that day and time when the Pharisees and the Sadducees were over the people of God, they were considered the church folks. And Jesus said he came unto his own, the church folks, and they received him not. We can't expect people to, to grasp this truth. Like it's been said many times before, we got to search for God. We got to we have to draw near to him. Then we can start seeing other believers walk in this faith. We can start seeing others who look like Christ's chosen, his elect, his ecclesia. So listen, when you're going through it on all sides, when the storm is coming all over your boat. And it looked like it's getting ready to come to an end. Remember, I chose you. And if he said it, it shall do exactly what he said. I knew in the final hour of facing 25 years in prison, I knew it took me a minute to get to this understanding and to accept the understanding. But I knew in the final hour that I was going to be set free. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know through who, but I knew I was going to be set free. And sometimes it get like that. We get into this faith and we like, oh, man, let's get it. You ready to do it. I want to go out and minister and I want to be an evangelist and I want to shine. And here come the storms. And we start thinking, oh, man, <laughs> wait a minute here. I don't know about this thing called faith. But we have to remember that this is the this is the time where. Our faith is being tested because Jesus told him in verse 26, he said, why are you fearful? He said, why are you fearful? Didn't I tell you? Let's go to the other side. So really, we have no reason to be afraid if we believe in him, if we believe his word to be true. He didn't take away their fears. He calmed the storm. They had to deal with their fears. And the way we deal with that is remembering that he called us. He said, let's depart this multitude. Let's get away from this crowd and let's go to the other side and keep doing what we're called to do. This is the season for depression, for anxiety, 
fear, worry, doubt like never before. It's never happened like this in the history of time. And the Bible says, encourage each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And the way we do that to encourage each other goes beyond saying it's going to be all right. It goes beyond saying it's going to be okay. Keep the faith. No, we have to get in this word. We have to remember this word and we have to apply this word. When we get through praying and we get through getting on our knees and thanking God, we need to get up and do battle. I used to see this post on social media that, you know, it looked pretty cool. It was a Roman soldier in armor and he was on his knees and the caption went something like, you know, the devil thought he defeated me, but I just said, amen. Know this. When Jesus came out of the wilderness after fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, and the devil came against him, he didn't get on his knees. He got up and he did battle with him, that sword. He spoke that word. Prayer is what prepares us to do battle. The word of God is what we use in battle. And we need to fortify ourselves with the truth. Because didn't he say to Jesus, Aren't you the, aren't you the son of God? He wanted him to question who he was. And it's so crazy because he used the scripture to do it. Thank God Jesus knew the word. He said, for it is written. And we need to know what is written. Know that we are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. He said, be ye separate. So many statements and scriptures, so many techniques given to us in his word. That helps us remember who we are in Christ, that we are new creatures. Can't keep letting the devil drag us back into where we come from. Or keep trying to convince the devil of who we are. We don't got to convince him one bit. All we have to do is believe and know what it is in our heart and stand on that. Do what we can and put the rest in God's hands. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another day, for another opportunity for your magnificent word, for your truth, for your empowerment through scripture. We thank you. We pray that this word will penetrate the hearts of those who listen and will fortify them as they continue to walk out this faith. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.